couple quick announcements about what will take place after um, done here, and the, well, the closing song, and then as Father Nicholas said, the blessing of throats. If you want to receive that, you can just come forward like you would for communion. And then Father Michael will be in the Vision Cafe signing books. If you didn't get your book last week and you want it signed by him, he will be there as well. Well, we are in the fifth and final week of our series. We are calling uh, Find Your People. And we've been saying that our success in life depends upon us finding the right people in our lives. And over the last week, I've had a couple people ask me about that. What do you mean by right people? Some people have been a little bit upset by that term. Like, in other words, like, are you saying not everybody has value? And no, we're not saying that. Of course, everybody has equal value before God. But what we mean by the right people are the people that lead us in God's direction or lead us towards good things in our life. And as we've been saying, people in our life that where there is this exchange of grace and truth, we give grace and truth to them, but we also receive grace and truth from them as well. And we've been saying that, again, to, to succeed in life, you don't need just a few relationships. You need a network of relationships because your soul needs a variety of relational nutrients in order to survive and, be, and thrive and be healthy. Uh, just like your body, it needs vitamins and minerals and proteins and fats and carbohydrates in order to fuel itself. Your soul needs a variety of relational nutrients in order to be fuel, fully fueled for you to be healthy and grow as a human being. And we've been saying that many of those relational nutrients that you need can be found right here in your church family that we believe there are many relationships waiting to help fuel your growth and health and prosperity of soul. And our delivery system for that is small groups. And so that's why we've been encouraging everyone, everyone in the parish to get in a small group for Lent. And those groups begin meeting next week, the week of February 12th. We have men's groups and women's groups. We have couples groups. We have groups for mixed adult groups. We have groups for college students and young adults. We have groups that meet online. So no matter who you are, we have a group for you. And we're encouraging you to t make a commitment this Lent, for the, just for Lent, so six weeks, 90 minutes a week, to get into a group. So you can find those relationships that will fuel your soul. So over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the four major areas of life where you need some relational nutrients. <clears throat> a few weeks ago, we talked about our need for wisdom and insight. All of us need some wisdom and insight. We're all born ignorant. We, we don't know what we don't know. We have to learn how life works, or we need to learn how to play the roles in life that we play and fulfill our responsibilities. And we believe that in a small group, you will find some of the wisdom and insight you need to succeed in life, in this season of life. Then a couple weeks ago, we talked about we have a fundamental need to be understood. All of us need some people in our life that just get us, that I can identify with our story, can identify with our struggles, can validate us, and, and, uh, and just know what we're going through. Right? And so that's why you need some, some friends in faith, people who are in the same life stage who know what it's like to be a husband or father, a wife, a mother, a student, a retiree, whatever season of life. You need some other people who are in that season as well and are trying to follow Jesus or be a good person and so they can identify with your struggles and challenges and even celebrate with you the good things. Then last week we talked about this major need we have to convey the good. 
And in small groups, we like to say this, that it's conversation that leads to conversion. That all of us, we have some negative things in our heart, in our lives, that can kind of you know, get into our heart. And so as we have conversations about those things, as we look at God's word and talk about Jesus' teachings, we have conversations that lead to conversion. As we, we talk about them, we feel other people's acceptance and encouragement of us, and the bad can get out and the good can come in. So today we're looking at this fourth major relational nutrient that we all need. And to do that, we're going to look at a passage from the Gospel of Mark. And here is what Mark tells us. On leaving the synagogue, Jesus entered the house of Simon Peter and Andrew with James and John. And Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever. All right, so this passage picks up where we left off last week. So in case you weren't here, you don't remember, Jesus goes into a synagogue in Capernaum. And there he teaches, and the the people are astonished. He teaches as one having authority. And then he shows that authority by driving out a demon, driving out the illness in a person. And so he drives it out, and, and people are amazed even more. Then the service ends, and Jesus, Peter, Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they now go back to Simon Peter's house. And there, Simon Peter's mother-in-law is sick with a fever passage continues. They immediately told him about her. He approached, grasped her by the hand, and helped her up. Then the fever left her, and she waited on them. Now, there's a lot to unpack in this verse. First of all, after deep scripture study, after study of this passage, scripture scholars have concluded it was because Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law that later Peter denied him three times. Little little, little preacher joke there. Little mother-in-law joke. I love my mother-in-law. I do. I do. She's a great person. She's very helpful to our family. Um, Great cook. In December, she watched our kids so my wife and I can go away. And she's a very traditional Catholic, so she will never watch Nativity Online. So. <laughs> but, but honestly, there is a few things just to understand about this verse. First of all, um, we see, again, Jesus' power to heal, right? They immediately tell him about her. He grasps her by the hand. He helps her up, and, and she's immediately healed. And then she waits on them. Now, I remember being in a scripture course, kind of thinking that was funny, like, so what, like Jesus didn't feel like making himself lunch? Is that why he healed her? And No, uh, it, the reason is, is in that culture, hospitality was so important. And so it, the, Peter's mother-in-law would have been mortified that she couldn't serve uh, her guests. And so it's an act of mercy. Also, we learn from here the pattern of discipleship. Jesus heals us, and then we serve. We serve her, him and his purposes. We serve him and his people. Then the passage continues. When it was evening after sunset, they brought to him all who were ill or possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered at the door. All right, so in the Jewish uh, you know, culture of that day, they would observe the Sabbath, and this was a Sabbath. And so that limited your travel, it limited what you can do. But also in that culture, they, they thought of the day as ending at sunset. 
So now the Sabbath regulations, they would have been relaxed. And so people who are ill, either physically or possessed by demons, spiritually and emotionally ill, they, they are brought to Jesus at Peter's house. And we're told, he cured many who were sick with various diseases and drove out many demons, not permitting them to speak because they knew him. So this, this, these verses kind of tell us that Jesus took his time with people. He, he, he listened to them, then he cured those with physical maladies, and he cured those with spiritual and emotional illness. And again, we see here the power of Jesus to overcome evil, to overcome the bad. Here's what, I love what Mary Healy, she's a, a scripture scholar, she writes a commentary on the gospel of Mark, and she writes this, I love what she writes. The exorcism in the synagogue earlier that day was the start of a rout. As the demons flee helplessly before Jesus' command. It's a start of a rout, this overwhelming victory of Jesus. That it's a reminder to us wherever Jesus comes, you know, evil and the negative, the bad things are, are helpless against the power and the name of Jesus. Jesus is the lion of Judah. He, he, he roars, he is victorious over sin and death and evil. And it's a reminder to us just to, we need to let him in. That is, we let him into our hearts. Again, all the negative, all the evil has to flee at the command of Jesus. Then we're told, rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. So the night ends, Jesus has spent some time with all these people, and then very early the next day, he gets up and prays. And from Jesus here, we see three core elements of effective prayer life, right? We, we need a time, a place, and a plan. We'll talk about the plan in just a second. But we need a time. He gets up very early before dawn. Before any, he does anything else, he gets up and he prays. We need a place. He goes to a deserted place. So Jesus gets away from all the hustle and bustle so he can focus on having this quiet time with his heavenly father. Jesus needed that. We need that. So Jesus has this quiet time with his heavenly father, but then it's interrupted. We're told, Simon and those who were with him pursued him, and on finding him said, everyone is looking for you. So we can kind of imagine that that morning Peter wakes up and he looks over and, you know, Jesus had been sleeping in his house, but he's not there. He's like, huh, that's interesting. I wonder where he went. And then as, as Simon Peter, you know, goes out his house, he sees people gathering. One by one, this crowd is beginning to form, and they're asking him, where is Jesus? Where is it? We want him to heal us. We want his help. And Simon Peter might have been like, okay, I don't know. He was here this morning. I don't know where he went. Just, you know, hang out, chill out. He's coming. But then as the crowd continued to form and grow and maybe become a little bit anxious, Peter's like, all right, I'll go looking for him. So he goes running out, and, and he finds Jesus. He's like, oh, there you are. Come on back. You need to come back to my house. Everyone is looking for you. That's what he means here. But Simon Peter says something that is so profound that he doesn't even realize he's saying it. Because here's the truth. Everyone is looking for Jesus. 
you are looking for Jesus. Every friend, every family member, every coworker that you know is looking for Jesus. He is the joy of our desire, the longing of every human heart. We are all looking for Jesus and to be in community with other people who are seeking him. Now, we all, from time to time, can, can get lost in see, thinking that popularity or possessions or pleasure or prestige or, again, again, something else can fill our hearts, something else the world offers that can fully satisfy our hearts. And none of those things are bad things in themselves, but we all know that they can't fill our hearts completely. That as St. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until we rest in God. So P- Peter, though, he doesn't mean that. He, he doesn't mean that deeper meaning. He's just like, Jesus, everybody is looking for you, so come back to my house. Let's go. Let's help those people. Let's go. And Jesus says, no, not going to do it. Instead, he says, let us go to the nearby villages that I may preach there also. For this purpose, I have come. And here we can see what Jesus was praying about that morning. He was clearly asking the Father, Father, where do you want me to go? He knew he was going to bring value to somebody that day, but who were the people that he wanted him to, to, to serve? And the Father had said to him, no, in this moment, I, don't, I want you to go to the nearby villages, not back to Capernaum. Because here's the thing about Jesus, even Son of God, though he was and is, 2,000 years ago, he was limited by his location. He could only help the people in the location of where he was or who he knew about. So he had to ask the Father, who do you want me to help today? And the Father had said, go to the nearby villages. And so we're told, the passage ends in this way. So we went into their synagogues, preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole of Galilee. So the pattern repeats. Jesus goes into a synagogue. He preaches and teaches. The people are amazed at his authority. And then he drives out evil and the negative. At the Last Supper... Jesus says something that shocks the apostles. He actually says a few things that shock and surprise them. But but one of the things he says this, he says, hey, it is better for you guys if I go away. And the apostles are like, what? (laughs) Jesus, what what are you talking about? It's better if you will go away. You are our leader and our guide. You're our coach. You're our mentor. Jesus, we have hitched our wagon to you. What do you mean it's better if you go away? But this passage helps us understand that. Because when Jesus came to earth 2,000 years ago, wherever he went, he brought God's goodness, God's truth, God's beauty. Wherever Jesus went, he brought healing and blessing to people who wanted to receive it. Wherever Jesus went, he brought heaven down to earth. But it was limited. It was limited by his location. 
So now what, what Jesus meant at the Last Supper and what we can understand now in hindsight is what Jesus was saying to the apostles, look, I'm, it's better if you go away, if I go away, because I'm going to suffer and die, but then I'm going to rise from the dead, and then I'm going to ascend to the Father, and then I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. And I'm going to send my Holy Spirit on all my friends and followers. So now my presence will not be limited just by my location, but my presence can be everywhere and anywhere you find my friends and followers. So this, so that this is the vision of the church. That as the Holy Spirit is upon all of Jesus' friends and followers, that his presence, his health, his healing, his help might come through all of us and serve and care for one another. And that is the fourth relational nutrient. That we need relationships in which we serve and care for one another. Right? Small groups are our plan to help care for you, that you might know the love and the care and concern of Christ and his people in that group. Because here's, here's the deal. All of us are going to go through times where we can't handle the responsibilities of life on our own, where we need some other people to bear our burdens and, and bear our burdens in some very practical ways where people can serve and care for us. It might become at a time where you experience illness, physical illness for yourself. Or maybe it'll be the illness of, of someone you love in your family and you're consumed by taking care of him or her. At some point, you might lose your job. Or just, again, you're just overwhelmed with what's going on in your life. Or, or it could even be positive times, you know, times of celebration where you're going to need help. You, you have a child. You, you get a promotion and you just need some help taking care of your family, driving kids around, or again, you're moving. It, it can become a, a lot of, for a lot of different reasons, but there's times where we need some people to serve and care for us. And that's where small groups can come in. For all the positive feedback we get about groups, perhaps the most consistent and the most compelling message we get back about groups is people who say to us, when I was going through a difficult time, when life was challenging, or I just needed some help and support, my small group, they were there for me. They came through for me. I, I know as, as a father of eight kids, I've seen, I've seen my small group help me in, in many different ways. When my third child was born, it was a couple in my small group that watched our two older kids so that I could be at the hospital with my wife Mia and just you know, focused there and not having to worry about my kids. When we've, uh, other times when we've had, had new, you know, welcomed the new baby into our house, small group members brought food for us so we didn't have to worry about meals. We even had small group members watch my kids so my wife and I could go away. We farmed them out, not all at one place, but... So here's the deal. If you're going to have eight kids, make sure you get in a small group. All right, I'm talking to like two of you. Okay. Actually, someone at the last mass who had eight kids came up to me and said, all right, I'm taking you up on that offer. But here's the deal. If you're going to have problems in life, 
If you're going to have trouble and there's times you think you might need some help from other people, from the body of Christ, then get into a small group. So, as we've been saying, to get into a group, all you need to do is text the word group to 88877. All right. I know we've been talking about this for the last four weeks, and so this is it. This is the last time. This is your last chance. All right. And, and I know we've been talking about it a lot, but it's because we believe really in the power of community, in the power of groups. And maybe you've been in a group before and you thought, all right, I've given it a try. I'm done. All right, give it another try. You've had a bad haircut before. You still get your haircut. You've eaten a bad meal. You still eat food. Maybe you've had a bad group experience. Give it a try one more time. Because small groups are our plan to bring that relational nutrient of service and care into your life, to help you bear the burdens of life, that you might know that God's people love and care for you. Because as that great theologian Axel Rose from Guns N' Roses said, (laughs) don't you think that you need somebody? Don't you think that you need someone? Everybody needs somebody. Everyone needs a group. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that, again, your son came and and he brought heaven to earth wherever he went. And God, we thank you that he has now sent his Holy Spirit upon, upon all of his friends and followers, upon us, to bring in your, your healing, your help, your goodness to one another. So God, we do pray that this would be a community that, that helps one another, serves one another, bears one another's burdens. And may our groups be a place where we know that you love and care for us and we experience this service to one another. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for watching. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single video. You can be part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples simply by sharing this video. We're grateful you're part of this community.